and welcome back to Save by Old Times. My name is Trent, and this is a musical discussion podcast where we are taking an unauthorized and very unofficial look into every single album by the band Deer Hunter. Today, we are delving into the band's seventh album, Fading Frontier, which might arguably be the black sheep of the family and is perhaps the most overlooked album in Deer Hunter's discography. It is time to drop off the grid, feedback our handicaps, and drive under some stars that are slowly dying. But before we do that, sitting across from me is someone who was also born with a snake-like walk, my friend and co-host, Mr. David Vance. Dave, how you doing? I can't believe it. Yeah. The frontier is fading away. The frontier is fading away. We're getting towards we're the home getting, stretch here. We're getting to the end. I know. It's crazy. Ooh, baby. Mm-hmm. Also, we're here doing this, which is incredible. Yes. This has been the longest delay uh, behind the scenes uh, that no one will ever know. But. No one will ever know. Life updates, uh, <laughs> yeah. broken wires, dentistry. Yeah. The the story is way too long to tell. Exactly. <laughs> Perhaps when we do our own autobiographical album, we'll, we'll get into all that. Um, cool. Do you want to hear some history of what's going on with Deer Hunter right now? Yeah, I know a bit of it. Okay. Uh, I know that there is a band change. There is. So we got lineup changes to talk about. Um, so very first things first, uh, Frankie Broyles, after being on board for Monomania, uh, moves on. He leaves to focus on his own solo work, mm. a project that I referenced on uh, the Monomania episode called Omni. Okay. Uh, cool band, uh, but it's kind of like a, a three piece. So he has a little bit more influence on what's going on there. I understand that. Uh, yeah. But I think it's funny that there's the curse of the the third guitarist in Deer Hunter <laughs> that never really sticks around for too long. Yeah. And like, uh, I'd like to, I, I usually like to do like a sort of like retrospective on the, yeah. on the players as they come in and out, but it's kind of hard for me to do it for yeah. this one because he didn't do much. Like he... He offered, like, he was definitely part of the soundscape, and there was, like, definitely some things that you could hear, like, specifically Pensacola. Yeah. Uh, was one of those songs where it's just like, oh, there's some cool stuff going on here, and that's probably Frankie. Yeah. Just, like, putting in some, like, twang, some, like, country stuff yeah. going on there. Uh, but as far as, like, um, adding to the zeitgeist right. of the musical, like, experience that is Deer Hunter, he didn't. The, the band didn't change because of him. I think that's the right way to say it. Yeah. Uh, so like it, it, it didn't really affect uh, the band the way that Josh or even Colin did. Like Colin, mm-hmm. Colin, me had some like effect on like the early sound. Yeah, man. He he brought some of the like the like rock and roll muscle behind what they mm-hmm. were trying to do early on for sure. He was doing like you know uh, like kneeling slides with his yeah. guitar and stuff. He was he was doing the rock star lifestyle yeah. there. Um, but yeah, in in terms of Frankie, it was just kind of like a return to the three guitar attack. Yeah. Um, and I would have liked to see what he had done if he had stuck around. Uh, but he may not have had a lot of space to do guitar things if he stuck around for this album but we'll get to that we'll get to that um the other uh, thing about uh people coming in and out of the sphere in uh, the world of deer hunter we alluded to this last time yeah uh so our friend ben allen returns unexpectedly this is this is interesting because like um i i had some issues mm-hmm. with the production of uh, halcyon digest and i'll get into like what my specific issues are here yeah um but i think there is a little bit of a course correct okay in this album and and uh i I actually like a lot of things that ben allen does here 
Okay, great, because I like a lot of the production on this album as well, so I'm excited to talk about that. I've done a little bit of work to be like, what do I really like about this? We'll talk about it. Um, so what's cool is they recorded this at Maze Studios in Atlanta um, in sometime in 2015. It came out in October 2015, but I can't find exact dates on how long this took to record, when it was recorded. But the cool part about that process is uh, during this time, uh, Bradford achieved something that as millennials, I'm not sure we ever will, but he owned a house. Oh, cool. <laughs> And uh, so his house... Don't let your dreams be dreams. I know, exactly, right? <laughs> uh, but he had a house that ended up... That is fairly nearby to uh, Maze Studios. And Lockett also ended up with a house fairly nearby to both of those locations. So what's kind of fun about this album is that, for the most part, Bradford and Lockett were staying in their own homes. <laughs> uh, and the rest of the band was coming and hanging out for extended periods of time. So they would stay with each other. They would all go into the studio for a while. And then they'd come back and have, like, a barbecue oh, hangout yeah, kind of thing. Band- sleepover like band sleepover and uh at this around this time both Lockett and Bradford said in different interviews that this was the the most unified the band felt and they felt like a family they were all like hanging out at each other's houses they someone wrote an article where they talked about them all like hanging out drinking and playing darts and giving each other presents from thrift thrift stores and stuff it was just like a whole little little family unit that was created um, so that was really cool, and I feel like it's a direct contrast to Monomania, which was at night for, you know, hours and hours at a time. Uh, you Grimy, know. grungy, and, uh, like, very messy. But this uh, is definitely, like, it's definitely a tonal shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that as far as, like, Deer Hunter albums, it's not as much... It doesn't sound as much as of an outlier to me as Halcyon Digest did. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I get into this album... And, like, the first thing is the name, Fading Frontier. It's Mm -hmm. pretty sad. It is. Pretty sad name. Yeah. So, like, the idea that this, like, awe-inspiring vista or this idea will soon become mundane and exploited. Yeah. The idea, like, like an untouched beach, but two miles down the road, you see construction vehicles roll up and, like, start building stuff. So, Mm -hmm. it's, like, this this idea that, like, you are experiencing beauty you are experiencing a halcyon, yes, perhaps, right. <laughs> but the end of the halcyon, right? Like yeah, you yeah. can you can see that the end is in sight, and basically it's it's coming to an end. Yeah, or like you can see the end two years or four years down the road. Mm-hmm. Similarly, the album art reflects this. Yeah, which is really cool. I like this album art a lot because it depicts like a shack mm-hmm. with like an ocean view. But the the shack is decrepit and decaying and, and like, abandoned. It's real shitty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And there are things hanging off it. It's a mess. But the ocean view is still pristine. Yeah. And nice. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's a couple of, like, neat interpretations I got from this. Like, one, it seems like the scene is captured right before they put, like, a big piece of plywood up over the window. Oh, yeah. Just to, like, (laughs) shut it off forever. Yeah, yeah. So, like, really sad. Mm -hmm. Really heartbreaking. Or, like... Um, the other is like, it seems like two images over top of another. Mm -hmm. So like, it almost seems like the, the ocean Vista is like a photograph. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, uh, the abandoned shack was like painted over top Mm -hmm. of this photograph. So it's, it's the idea is like the thing that you build to capture something magnificent will decay a long time before 
the actual magnificent thing does. I like that a lot. Um, do you want to hear the story of where that photograph comes from? Go for so it. So that's a real piece of photography uh, by John Davola that oh, was cool. done uh, between uh, 1977 and 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the cool thing is that is a real location or was. Nice. And it was an old beach house that was used by fire departments for training exercises. So that's why it looks so uh, like worn down and so burnt. it got it got put on fire burnt. several times. Right. And then at a certain point, they were done with it. It, it lost its like structural integrity. Yeah. They were like, okay, we have to stop using it. But then people started coming in and vandalizing it and doing whatever kind of stuff in there. And then so this art, this artist, John Devola, went in and he took a picture of it, but also added some of his own art to it as well mm. as like kind of like a last, uh, you know, like celebration of this structure. Like painted it, like it or, like, or like the spray painting stuff. Like I see a big V on the side. Yeah, so some of those things. Like some oh, okay. of it, he added like graffiti and stuff to it as well right on. Uh, some of it apparently was already there some of it he added himself uh, what elements were him or uh, is unclear right on. Uh, but i think that's cool it was like a celebration of this thing yeah. before it finally collapsed uh which is cool and i think fits in very well with the things that you're talking about yeah uh, i just like the idea of like this really like shitty house that is capturing this really nice pristine vista outside of its window mm-hmm. i think that's good and i think it also translates to more of like what the album is doing itself. So like mm-hmm. a, a bunch of multi-layered narratives. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there does seem <laughs> like an attempt to recapture a little bit of the essence of Halcyon Digest. And I think yeah. this is definitely another like shift away from their previous style. Mm-hmm. Although I think this is a lot more subtle. I think there is a more genuine attempt here to make uh Deer Hunter's old style, mm-hmm. softer and popular. Yeah. Whereas Halcyon Digest, I thought was just Deer Hunter trying to make a pop album. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're going to use samples. We're mm-hmm. going to use uh, this producer we yeah. found that does a lot of popular stuff. We're right. going to use a saxophone, right? Because <laughs> like, uh, because that's popular. That's what we think is popular, but it's mm-hmm. not genuine. Right to to the band, and I still like Halcyon Digest a lot. I like a lot of the songs there, but I thought I thought there was a lot of decisions in that album that were so like that were so whiplashed in like how they approached the tone of Bradford's voice. Yeah, yeah. How they approached like the the style of music that they make in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I feel like this was more of a genuine attempt to make the Deer Hunter style of music popular and softer and more appealing to a wider audience. Right. I think so. And I think there was greater buy-in this time around mm-hmm. as well. Like we talked about, there's a lot of inconsistencies with how Halcyon Digest was recorded. Yeah. Uh, because there wasn't complete full buy-in of everyone participating in the process fully. Yeah. Uh, and trusting the producer to be kind of that balancing force. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think in a way, uh, you're, I would agree with a lot of the things you just said about it being uh, a bit of a sequel, but also like a, a better... Uh, uh, concept. Well, let's get into it. Do you think uh, we can get into all the same? Let's do it. Let's listen to all the same. Yeah. Trent and Dave listen to the song. Ooh, all is, right. Is it all the same? It's all the same, to my knowledge. <laughs> I like a good synth lead-in. I like that. I love the intro of this a lot. Yeah. So, uh, like, it's just like a held tone. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
it's cool just because like you don't know uh where the song's going to go from that and they do it several times on this album. Yeah, yeah. So like there's several times where they'll have a very ambiguous opening. Yes. Um and this is just like a a, a nice little pad for the audience to like prepare themselves mm-hmm. and then the intr- instruments come in with like a uh, a very nice groove. Yeah. Like um J Mac with a with a nice soft by the way <laughs> We're um, going with J Mac is the is the nickname. So uh, I ha- I wrote this in here, and uh, I'm sorry, Josh. Uh, I yeah. have to be able to parse the two. Okay, we're uh, going with J Mac. I don't know. I'm on board if you're on board. <laughs> That's what I got here, J Mac with a nice soft groove. All right, sort of like a faux bossa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, and it's like the bass drums are matching uh, the bass rhythm and the snares on two and four. Mm-hmm. Um, Lockett found a riff he likes, and he's going to play that while they slowly walk backwards into his grave. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's mm-hmm. and he's just going to play that for the rest of the song. That's right. And it's clean and it's tremolo. And it's like and it's, it's he's in his happy place. Yeah, it's a it's an alternating eighth note rhythm yep. around the notes B F F sharp. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's very very simple like alternate arpeggio rhythm and uh yeah it it just blends into the soundscape you also get like the the entire form of the verse in this intro Mm -hmm. in this like groove that they set up yeah they play the entire form of the of the a section and this one's a little strange Mm -hmm. it's got a little bit of uh mixing going on here so we're in the key of d flat Mm -hmm. uh we start the verse with an eight bar phrase uh it's three bars of d flat moving to a minor five on the a flat Mm mm-hmm and then dropping to a G major seven and then awkwardly holding on that G major seven until the end of the eight bar phrase. And then there's a quick two beat transition out of the key as they do a four one cadence in the key of B. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like and that's that's the that's the hook. So mm-hmm. um, they go to the hook and they get a little bit heavier, a straighter rock groove, yeah. guitar chords, tambourine with like a strange guitar sound. I think it's like, like a, a, a percussive thing, right? Uh, yeah, it it sounded like maracas. Oh, okay. And yeah, there's yeah. also like a weird like guitar rhythm that goes over top mm. of it as well. Um, it's cool. Uh, like, yeah, it's like a steady, clear tone on Bradford's vocals. Yes. Like the cleanest I've heard him sound. It's incredibly clean and polished. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and the melody takes a walk, too. Mm. Like while the chords are like descending, the melody like keeps going higher. Yeah, yeah. Like he's just like. He's just walking the melody up and higher, and then he settles onto the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, they do this a couple times, and then the hook gets an extended variation with a little bit more intense rhythms. Mm-hmm. And we hold on uh, that tension chord for a bit, but it still resolves the same way. And, like, that's kind of how, like, they end the song. It's it's fairly same throughout. throughout. Yeah. Like, they, they play that very large phrase, that very large section and it goes throughout the song the dynamics slowly rise through that throughout the entire song there's a couple of neat tricks like uh busier uh percussion starting at the first hook um vocals get grittier and more wild as they go throughout the song yeah, there's yeah. like a nice nice shush, 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 shush. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i like that i like like the little accents that bradford puts in mm-hmm. um the extended hooks get longer and more varied by the end and uh that's that's most of the song it's like this really like soft i don't know um it's just like this soft relaxed jam yeah yeah 
I mean, it feels the same way the lyrics feel in a mm-hmm. sense where it's like, man, don't worry about it. It's all the same. This is just a pretty, like, in the grand scheme of things, pretty straightforward pop song. It's pretty much yeah. uh, not trying to push your boundaries too much or anything. It sounds great, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm glad you mentioned. Like, uh, to me, we always talk about, like, we want your first song of the album <laughs> to, like, show me your palette. Show me all the colors with which you are painting. Yeah, this definitely gives a vibe for the album, mm-hmm. for sure. Like, yeah. this is... This is, I wouldn't say the average song. Uh, there's a song later that sticks out to me as like the average Fading Frontier song. Okay. Um, but this definitely gives you a vibe for like what the album is going to be. Yeah. Um, the lyrics, the lyrics are cool. The The ones that stick out to me mm-hmm. um, are like, you should take your handicaps. Yes. Channel them and feed them back mm-hmm. till they become your strength. Yes. Hallowed out. It's all the same. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that line a lot because I feel like it's like Bradford being the elder statesman at yeah. a certain point. Being it's like, classic deer hunter. It is. It's it really classic is. deer hunter lyrics. It is. But I feel like it's also him being like, okay, you know, I'm this far into my musical career. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty settled. Things are pretty good. And being like, hey, anyone else out there who wants to do this, yeah. I did it by being myself. Mm. I I did it by embracing the things that make me who I am, flaws at all. Yeah. Uh, and I turned them into my strengths. I turned them into what made me different. A theme uh, for the album. I think so as well. <laughs> um, I also, while we're talking about the lyrics, I do really like just the wordplay. And like, you know how some uh, lyrics just sound great in terms of their rhythm and the w- specific words that are chosen when they come out of your mouth? Okay. They feel musical. For whatever reason, I really like the sound of my friend's dad got bored, changed his sex, and had no more. It's just like it's a, yeah. such a complete little. Uh, mm-hmm. like it's a story. Thing. It's yeah. it's it's front to back story, and like um, that's what I mean by like classic deer hunter lyrics. Mm-hmm. They're like vague metaphors sprinkled through like these loose anecdotes. Yeah. So it's like an uninteresting home, mm-hmm. or like. Some dads transitioning, but presented in like a very boring way. Yes, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's like yeah. this is supposed to be like a monumental thing for someone's life, right, and this yeah. is just like, eh. Right. And he's like, yeah, no, that's cool. But it's like, no matter what, like everything's pretty much the same. Yeah, it's all the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. So yeah, it does. Like this song fits. Yeah. Like everything fits together. It's mm-hmm. nice. The song yeah. sounds like the name. Um. What else was I gonna say about this one? Oh, I wanted to check on Moses and just make sure he's okay. <laughs> Because, like, someone moved his cymbal stand a bit too close because he is just going nuts on the cymbals on this one. I always like to point out when he doesn't and he doesn't doesn't use cymbals and to be on this one, he's going nuts with the cymbals. Um, so, yeah, I think that's pretty much how I feel about this one. Yeah. It's very obvious that it's a Ben Allen production right out the gate because yeah. when that bass comes in, it is so warm as so, well. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'll talk about it later. But okay. the bass is yeah. bassy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, um, they've done a lot of a better job at uh, figuring out which instruments need to go where in the yeah, soundscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas uh, in Halcyon Digest, everything was in the bass. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, Bradford's not in the bass. Right. Which is, I think, the most important thing. Ben Allen might have been self-critical <laughs> because, like, I, th- I think that was a very, like, glaring issue mm-hmm. uh, with the vocals on that album. Interesting. I, I like that a lot. I like how much you you have like keyed in on that. Um, and I think you're I think you're right in your observations. It's just funny as someone who loves it and is blinded by their love <laughs> of Alcyon Digest. I'm like, oh, I guess there is things to pick it apart with. Um, but anyways, do you feel like the extra space afforded allows Bradford to <laughs> live his life? <laughs> to live right? his life. Yeah. I need. I mean, he did get a new house. It's true. <laughs> so. Trent and Dave. 
All right. So where wherever they're living their life seems pretty nice. I was going to say, if you don't want to boogie a little bit yeah. while listening to that song, there's something wrong with you. So all, if not mostly electronic, mm-hmm. um, sample drums, keys, pads, synth bass. So this is like a huge transition from yeah. the first song. But like the same way that like the the song after her uh, earthquake yes yeah, like it was a huge transition from that so mm-hmm. like it's just like these weird ju- juxtapositions yeah yeah of like songs that go right afterwards so mm-hmm. like I like that I like that idea I like that idea that like they're using the electronic stuff as uh, a, a just a way to move dynamics yeah yeah essentially from song to song. Right. Um, Dynamics has changed. It's changed the instrumentation this time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Form and mood. Uh, What I described as a Saharan electronic beat. (laughs) Bright. I kept saying beachy, but yeah. Yeah, bright, positive, and worldly. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's, yeah, it's got a lot of syncopation. It's got, like, a lot of, like, uh, interesting notes. Like, the bass is jumpy. Mm-hmm. The bass is like the bass also doesn't usually play on beat one, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It kind of does like this little fill at the end of each yeah. bar. It's it's yeah. more it's more of like a counter root, like a counter root melody. Yeah, it's like yeah. Playing a counter rhythm to the rest of the song, and it makes this these uh, interesting counterimposing rhythms yeah. with each other, and it and it seems nice. It seems like that worldly aspect where like rhythms on rhythms, yeah, go, uh, sort of counteracting each other to make like a, a right. much more cohesive song. It's cool. Yeah. Um, the form is uh, seems complicated, but it's actually just like pretty simple. It's uh, 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 the A section is in the key of G flat. It's a three bar phrase with six triads, basically. So mm-hmm. it's like a G flat major to a D flat major back to a G flat major. And then it's my, or sorry, a B major, B flat minor and an A flat major. Mm. So it's uh, it's just like this uh, walking phrase. That like it's very slow and very like, uh, almost like waves. It's just moving through like it. amber waves of yeah. rain. Sorry, like, I'm sorry. Abs- <laughs> that's <a> perfect. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, you set that, me up too well for that. That's perfect. Uh, the B section is a two bar phrase, which is just uh, uh, B major two times, and then it's a G major to a D flat, uh, G flat major to a D flat major. So mm-hmm. it's a uh, simple four five uh, four one five. And it plays uh, double duty on either keeping the tension by recycling that, uh, which the song does a lot. Yes. Or uh, or it's just a perfect resolution back to the A section. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's not a too, too much of a complicated form. Mm-hmm. Where this song is complicated in how each new verse and chorus is changed with yes. each new iteration. Yes. So, like, the first one, like, the song starts off with just, like, a basic organ-like pad. So mm-hmm. it, it plays that form on on the keys. Yeah. And then the next time they go through it, it's the same, but with like a sample lead in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get that you get those drums. And then like the third time they go through, it's the sample pads and the vocals saying living my life. Yes. Living my life. Yeah. Um, and then you add bass. Yes. And that and that sort of adds like a new like depth mm-hmm. to it. And now living my and the fifth time through, mm. living my life now has harmony with it. Yes. And the sixth time through, then they start adding more percussion, like yeah. more extra accents to it. So, like, the main groove keeps getting layered and, like, added to and, like, the like the soundscape builds. Yeah. It really grows. Uh-huh. Um, the main groove, like, like I was talking about, it has that, like, sy- syncopated uh, feeling. It also has, like, there's this syncopated guitar riff um, yeah. that's really light. 
um, hi-hat eighth notes as well on the drums mm-hmm. with like light, clear vocals with added harmonies. Yeah. So, and, and this is just the A section. Like it goes yeah. through that for a long time and then it stops and shuts everything down and does it again for the B section. Mm-hmm. So like it, the B section has a similar progression where it adds instruments one by one and it has like that uh, one to three beat emphasis, yep. nice keyboard shots, nice background vocal shouts mm-hmm. that fill the space. So yep. like all of this stuff comes together. The B section is also where we get the title fall. Yes. We finally <laughs> he get says it. He really says he it. He says the name yeah. of the album. He did the thing. <laughs> yeah. So we get fading frontier in the B section mm-hmm. and then it's uh, back to the A section mm-hmm. where it goes low again and we get one pass of the form before then there's just this like quick cut in and then the real instruments break. Yeah. In, and there's this really nice drum beat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a great lift when that finally comes in. Mm-hmm. Like the synth drums were doing their job. They're holding it down, but they do such a good job of making the real acoustic drums come in with such a pop. Yeah. They like jump right out of the mix. Yeah. And all of a sudden the energy level just kicks up a whole other notch. It's like you're building tension in order to, ah, fo- yes. to, <laughs> to resolve. Yes. So like, yeah, like the, what I was talking about, like, when you have static songs that don't move much, mm-hmm. there is a natural tension that gets built. Mm-hmm. Um, and like if the song were to end without that resolving, then it doesn't do a good job of resolving that tension. Yeah, and basically, yeah, yeah. that's a problem for the audience. That That's a problem for the song. Mm-hmm. But you can use that tension in really easy ways and you don't even have to really try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I really like the song a lot. Um, it's great. Uh, I was going to say one thing, uh, about the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hate that we're doing this on every song, but Ben Allen, you saucy little minx. <laughs> I hear that clap sound recycled from Halcyon Digest. Don't try and hide it in there in the bridge. I yeah. know it's there. <laughs> um, another thing I was going to say, um, is I feel like this song does a really good job of also giving more perspective on the idea of fading frontier. Yeah. Um, so I think the way that, it's being used on this song uh, is kind of like a reflection. Like Bradford's usually pretty autobiographical about most things yep. uh, in his albums. Yep. And so I think, in my personal opinion, the way that he's talking about it here is kind of like I've spent a lot of time being anxious about the future mm. and having a lot of this like wasted energy stressing about that yep. when I could just be enjoying the present right now. And to me, it's like the idea of chasing the fading frontier is chasing something in the future and, and worrying about existence. And he's like, or I could just be living my life. <laughs> I could just be having a great time right now. And why am I not doing that and yeah. celebrating that? Yeah. Sounds like the title. Sounds like the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the mood is carefree. Yeah. And like it's it's a song that's like so simple yet always keeps things interesting. So, yeah. Like, yeah. The lyrics do seem very personal to Bradford. Possibly yeah. like it it possibly seems like a present tense of when he wrote this, like touring, yeah. being in a band, like the fading frontier of music. Yes. Musicianship, I guess. Yes. So like. Um, yeah, that's, I kind of get that. Mm-hmm. And he also references, uh, the darkened stage, the infinite ways, yeah. distance can change fate. I'm out of range again. Yeah. Where he's also, yeah, like you talked about p- uh, putting distance between himself and cause he's talked a lot about the pressures of live performance. Like he's mentioned mm-hmm. it on Calvary Scars too. He's mentioned it on Night Bike. He references bleeding for his art very often. Yeah. Uh, and so saying that he's now feels like he's distant from that. Yeah. Uh, in a way that's not like. Uh, like he doesn't enjoy it anymore, but more that that 
pressure and that uh, the difficulty of it is not a problem anymore. Like yeah. it's the darkened stage is no longer nearby. Does that make sense? Did I make sense there? No, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to like connect it to sort of the idea of the album and like the fading frontier as a whole. Mm-hmm. Sort of this idea of like something that you can't necessarily capture. You kind of just have to let be. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, this whole idea of just like living my life instead of aggressively trying to capture fame or like success. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Um, another thing that I think was a goal of this song is Bradford talked a lot about, uh, when this album was being released that he really wanted to make some Friday night music. Uh, he mentioned that Deer Hunter didn't have any music that felt like it could be played on a Friday night. He's like, a lot of our music is very heavy. Like at a like, barbecue. At like, exactly. Okay. He was like, we don't have any like, <laughs> good time Friday night music. And so to me, I feel like this song is him being like, okay, I'm going to make a banger. But it's like, <laughs> I also want to represent just like how good I'm doing in life and how comfortable I am right now. So I think this is the first instance, or at least the one that I know of, of the comfort banger. Where um, a positive, uplifting deer hunter song, right? But it's not like it's not a banger. You're not going hard to it. You're just like you're just having a a casual little bop of your head, and you're like, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good. It's like I thought about this. It's like the snuggie in a (laughs) sense, (laughs) where you're like, I'm not having a wild time in a snuggie, but am I enjoying it? I'm living. I'm living my life. I'm living my (laughs) life in this snuggie. So to me, it's the musical equivalent of a snuggie. Mm. But I do really like it. I'm a big fan. That's not an insult we could break this feeling though oh yeah <laughs> let's do it let's go to breaker yeah. Trent and Dave listen to the song. all right it's pretty good like scenic route on the road into the abyss right yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's got nice scenery it's got like a nice weather mm-hmm. it's very nice i would not want to be crossing the street however it's, while someone was driving along it it's yeah 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 that's fair we'll that's touch fair. on that we'll get into that in a little bit <laughs> so uh, what do you think about breaker yeah it's it's nice, like super mm-hmm. easy, mm-hmm. like nine, like nineties California pop rock is yeah, what I yeah, got yeah. here. I get that. So like, uh, so flanger on the guitars, mm-hmm. higher tones uh, in the rhythm instruments, and like nice easy harmonies. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the A section is just like a really easy four bar phrase. Mm-hmm. It's in the key of G, so you have two bars on the one major, yep. two bars on the four That's major. That's all you need, baby. That's all you need. <laughs> J Max really moving on that bass oh, line. Oh man, I, I thought of the scene in Anchorman when he's like, "All right, let's take that bass line for a walk." It's like he's, just, he's just moving all the time, and it's like a hard picking style, which contrasts like everything else in the soundscape. So mm-hmm. like, it's really like like he really digs in there. Yeah, and like it contrasts the soundscape, including Bradford, who once again very soft, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. clean, soft tone, like sparse lyrics in the a section so you focus a lot on the instruments yeah um and there's a lot to focus on like or sorry a a melodic riff in the lead guitar yeah so like it's really complementing to the melody yes and uh once again as lockett's mo he will play that until the end of time right (laughs) again commit to your part and stick with it yeah using uh yeah he uses strong chord tones a couple of lead-ins flanger effect Mm -hmm. gives it a really good character so yeah yeah I like that a lot. Um, I really like the big tom fills going into each chorus. Do, 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 they, do. they just, just <laughs> ride those faders so hard. You just push it up, just pop the big pop into each one because I feel like the chorus has such a different texture to it. So the B yeah. section. Yeah. You're right. You're right. The It's a three-bar phrase, mm-hmm. and it's got... Uh, 
and it's the five. Yeah, it's it's the D major for the uh, for those bars, and then it goes to the C. Yeah, um, for the two bars, and it's a three bar phrase, so it kind of catches you off a little bit, but mm. it's the clear musical hook for the song. Yes, a big dynamic change. Yeah, so it's like a big melody and harmony in the vocals. They do this like uh, classic pop thing where. The harmonies will sing the hook. Yeah. So like breaking away and yeah. the harmonies will hold on it, but the, the, the main melody will keep going. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. just, just one of those like really classic pop tropes. Yeah. It works, man. Uh, and like the vocals are the center, but there's also like really neat, uh, counter melodies in the guitar mm-hmm. and like. It's really cool. It's got like a lot of interesting dynamics in it. Yeah, I think the guitar uh, tone is, as well changes a lot. When you're talking about like California pop, it almost sounds like a twelve string. I don't know if they just put some chorus on or something like that. But that's that's cool. usually like a, a big uh, element in jangle pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of twelve string guitar, and that's what that sounds like to me. Yep. Uh, oh. And then uh, yeah, and then we go to a much shorter A section. Mm-hmm. Huge contrast between the sections. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one's a. a bit shorter because like they kind of just want to go back into the b section because Mm -hmm. that's the dynamic center yeah um and they do that section again and then there's this really interesting synth pad interlude yes where uh like it'll start like building this synth pad um and then they like build it up for a bit and there's like layers on layers that keep going Mm -hmm. and there's this cool crossfade Mm -hmm. that happens um, so like this, this part is like a four bar phrase with two bars. So like it's a G major and then town down a tone for two bars on the F major. Yeah. And the synths will increase in volume Yeah. and the rest of the band will decrease yes. in volume. So there's this cool crossfade going on and they jam with a bit, uh, they jam with the band for a bit and then like they're entirely replaced. Yes. And this also reminds me a lot of helicopter. Yeah, I was going to say little kids has oh, the, like, okay. the verb outro mm. that we talked about. But yes, also helicopter. I right? yeah. see we're going with that. Yep. Where it's just like they have this like sort of like ethereal uh interlude and then back boom. into the yeah, boom yeah. just like right back into the form, right back into the structure yeah. and it's this cool just juxtaposition between like uh soft ethereal like uh abstract and then uh, hard structure. Yeah. So it's cool. I like that a lot. Uh, they play that main phrase and hold on the tonic to end out the song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing that I'm shocked you did not get to in your uh, coverage of this song, Lockett is singing the choruses and Bradford is singing the verses. I was actually going to mention that. Because, right. like, uh, it did sound like there was, like, different vocals on uh on the harmonies uh, on the harmonies or the melodies like i i couldn't really figure out yeah. which one was but i know bradford was singing a bit of it so i yeah. assume that it was a bradford i believe song. he's doing the harmonies in the choruses but then nice. Lockett becomes the lead in the that's choruses, cool which is really weird it's a first for them hmm. and i will spoil it for you now this never happens again oh this is the only time this has ever happened uh and i would love to know the story as to why that happened i don't know if it was just one of those things where i put a dollar in the Pixies jar. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, there's a song called La La Love You by the Pixies uh, where they were in the studio recording it. And at one point, the lead singer was just like, pointing to the drummer, was like, why don't you sing this one? He's like, I have never sung a song before. Why would I do this? And he's like, I think you should. And they did it and they kept it and they thought it was good. But it's just like, uh, just like a one off thing where I feel like Brad was just like, Maka, you should sing the chorus. And he's like, uh, okay, I'll do it. It's, yeah. it's, it, it, it's hard to like, 
measure how much like that changes the dynamics like yeah. the, a change in vocal timbre is huge yeah because everybody's voice sounds a little bit different right and you can tell yeah um so like there is a different energy uh going into the b section there's a huge energy shift right so like um and that has a lot to do with like the change in mood the change in like uh the guitar tone the mm-hmm. change in the vocal tone so like yeah just instrument timbre can change a lot right the lyrics are interesting. Yeah, so we got to talk about the lyrics on this <laughs> one. Uh, so there's a piece of history that I held back on intentionally when we were doing the history bit. That okay. really comes into play here, mm-hmm. and it comes into play a couple of times, but this is the time we need to talk about it. Okay. Um, so in the lead-up to this album, uh, before anything was recorded, before they were writing it all, um, Bradford, while out walking his dog, his dog Faulkner, again, mm-hmm. not named Saxophone, disappointed, um, he was hit by a car while he was crossing oh. the street. Uh, and ended up like a pretty severe accident ended up in uh, in hospital and like under you know pretty severe um injuries and was was under like pretty intensive care that sucks uh it was pretty bad and so he said uh during that time he was obviously worried about his his health but also ended up uh kind of falling into depression a little bit and uh the good positive out of that was he ended up being okay and he was just uh, prescribed antidepressants which he said really helped stabilize his mood and he felt like uh, a lot of the anger and things he used to ha- have just kind of all got evened out. And he mentions, I skipped over when we talked about it earlier, when he mentioned uh, feeling hollowed out. He was like, he said, that's how I feel. I feel hollowed out, but not in a way that I feel empty, in a way that I'm just calm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this song to me really talks about that. And I think it talks about the idea of events that are out of your control and accepting them. Mm -hmm. And I think the way he talks about uh, breaking the waves, the waves are very clearly just events in your life that are just going to happen and they're going to push you where they push you. Yeah. And he talks about how he wants to try and stop them and he wants to try and stem the tide and have control of things, but he can't. Even if he tries, he can't do it. And then the verses are like kind of the opposite of like, no, I've made my peace with that. I'm here. I'm alive. I don't credit the source, man. I just drive. (laughs) I'm just moving through my life. I'm not too concerned about exactly why or how. Yeah, it's like it's very vague, very metaphorical. Mm -hmm. So it's just like I don't credit the source. I just drive. And then the fog rolls in. Yeah. And they're blind. My enemies, they're all just trying, trying to kill me. Mm -hmm. So it's um, yeah. And like you're saying, like. Uh, the ocean is strong. I cannot stem the tide. So it's, it's this like real, it's really vague and metaphorical. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a lot of things that you could like put in place of certain, like, what does the night represent? What does the day represent? What does the fog represent? Right. That stuff is hard to know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It almost to me feels like it's driving to prolong the night. Mm hmm. As if, like, the night is the enemy of the, uh, like, the day is the enemy of the night sort of thing. Yeah. And that, uh, that idea that, like, you have, like, uh, you have, like, a shelter from the fog as they roll in. Mm -hmm. Your enemies are blind sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, like, your enemies being the sun and the stars and what these represent uh, can change depending on the listener. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, uh, it's very interesting lyrics. Yeah. Couple more things on the lyrics. Sorry, this is this is a big lyrics one. Okay. Um, the uh, phrase "breaking the waves" coming mm. into the chorus. Uh, there is a film that is called "Breaking the Waves" that I think this is a direct reference to. Okay. Shout out to whoever put that on Genius.com because I didn't pick up on this. I had never heard of this movie, but. Um, 
in the film, there is an industrial accident in which someone ends up in a hospital bed, confined to a hospital bed, whether or not they are going to end up being paralyzed for the rest of their life comes into a question. Uh, so Dang. I think that's a, that's a direct reference to that, but then also using the idea of waves as things you can't control. And the thing I really like is they use that build that we talked about in the bridge part to kind of lull you into a sense of like, okay, the song is going to end. Now it's all just fading out. And they go, boom, jackknife on the side street crossing. I'm still alive. And that's something like it's like, yeah, yeah, something that just happened that you couldn't control that shocks you out of where you were. It's a really cool transition. I really like that a lot. Um, And I like that it uh, wraps up the narrative very nicely in that last verse where he says, uh, and when I die, there will be nothing left to say, except I tried not to waste another day trying to stem the tide. I, I stopped trying to control things I can't control, and I was just living my life. It, there's like so <laughs> many songs on this album just kind of interweave yeah. with themes, um, but I really like this one a lot mm-hmm. uh, from a lyrical standpoint. I would say it took me a long time to appreciate the tonal shift between the verses and the choruses, because I really like the groove a lot on the verses. That little guitar riff that you mentioned, the walk-in bass line, everything, I'm, I'm just like bopping a little bit, and then and uh, the shift to the more like jangly textures and there's a little bit more of like uh, a minor feel in some of the chords in there uh, that like took me a while to get uh, acclimatized to that. Now that I am, now that I'm expecting every time, I do really like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could keep <laughs> it going on the trip to Duplex Planet. Let's head over to Duplex Planet. <laughs> Trent and Is the duplex planet like Coruscant, but it's all just Tupperware, <laughs> like all the way through? <laughs> I think so. I, th- I think there is a very uh, distinct imagery that he's going for with duplex planet that we'll talk about. I don't think it's a lot yeah. like Coruscant. No, 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 that was a bad joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, this this song is really neat. It's mm. uh, it's very simple in the form. Yeah. Uh, so I'll get through it right away. Four bar phrases in the key of G. Mm-hmm. The A section, which is a four to one. And the B section, which is a two to five. Mm-hmm. So it's very simple. Uh, mostly majors, mostly mostly just like easy resolutions and easy chords. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I meant when I said like the average song of the album. Okay. I feel like this is like if you were to put this entire album into like a slurry and just like dissolve it <laughs> and like feed if it. you were th- taking the entire Thanksgiving dinner of yeah. this album and turning it into a smoothie. Feed it through a computer and just like yeah. ask it to give you the ratio of what the al- average song is. It would just like print out duplex. Planet. Interesting. Okay. Um, because I think we can talk a lot about like uh, the production here. Basically like what's going on in each of the instruments, what's going on in each of like the sections. So like the bass it's a really flat tone, uh, no real string textures, just mm. like pop proper roots and carries most of the low EQ. Yeah. So like when I was saying before how like most of the bass, most of the low end of like the soundscape is in the bass. This song like really demonstrates that. Yeah. Um, there's like the bass is really loud. Mm-hmm. Like it's way up front mm-hmm. and you hear it a lot. Um, the drums feel like they're behind the band. Yes. The drums feel like a much more supporting instrument than, yeah. than any kind of like lead. So like yeah. the bass drum never overtakes the bass guitar. Yeah. And like any of like the, um, uh, the more mid instruments never overtake anything else that is like yeah. in the soundscape. So like there's, uh, an interesting part into, in the interludes when like 
Moses is doing a, a very nice like eighth note, yeah, eighth note drum beat. There's also a little bit of delay on that, which yeah. helps give it a little movement too. Yeah, uh, and they do that with the guitar, and like it's it's a very like supportive sound mm-hmm. to the guitar, like it's supporting what the guitar is doing. Bradford's voice, it mm-hmm. has like a very slight filter in some parts of yeah. the song. I don't know if you've noticed it. It's like a radio or a megaphone, but like very slight and only when he gets louder. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's almost like a gate, but the gate triggers a filter. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's pretty interesting production. And like it's it's a it's one of those ideas where like I think I think he's figured out what to do with Bradford's voice and mm-hmm. he's and he's figured out a cool technique to just like put this sort of filter on Bradford's voice when Bradford gets loud and out of control and right close to the microphone, Mm -hmm. which he normally does. And it normally (laughs) ends up like distorting or peaking or like doing something maybe unintentional. Yeah. So now there's an intentional effect going on Bradford's voice. Yeah. And it's good. It's cool. (laughs) It's very cool. Yeah. Um, uh, less rhythm guitar in favor of keyboards and pads. I'd say it's a lot of keyboards. There might even be no rhythm guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I noticed a couple of things at the beginning, like, th- uh, there's like a interesting, like rhythm, like there's a guitar, like chord riff mm-hmm. at the beginning, uh, that holds a lot of focus in tandem with Bradford. Yeah. And then like through the second section of the verse, uh, there's a tambourine that takes a lot of the focus in yeah. that two to five progression. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and it sets up the resolution back to the first section. So there's this really nice um, instrumental break that I was talking about, mm-hmm. um, which sounds like a harpsichord or like a yeah. dulcimer. So I want to talk about that specifically. Um, so they actually had a guest musician come in and play that part. Oh, the cool. Harpsichord, yeah. So it is uh, Tim Gain from Stereolab. Nice. Uh, who Bradford has mentioned many times is a personal influence for him. Nice. So it's pretty cool when you can get one of your heroes to <laughs> jump in. And if you listen to any Stereolab, it sounds a lot like Stereolab on that. Because <laughs> for a while I was always like, oh man, I really like that key break. And I was like, I wonder why. And then when I look it up, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, now I know why I really like that. <laughs> Yeah, so it's very it's, loungy. Yeah, it's it's this like very quick like eighth note rhythm, and Moses has like a clean eighth note pattern that goes along with this. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they do this bit. Um, they do this bit a couple times through, but they do it at the end as well. And there's this really nice soft guitar solo that comes. Yeah, on top. yeah, you're right. And it's just like <laughs> really, really nice, really chill, really relaxed. So mm-hmm. like. Uh, this is a super easy song to listen to and it's really well produced. Yeah. There's like big echo and delay on the synth pads yeah, and, and there's a in lot the of background. Space. There's a big like ah pad yeah. that comes in. Yeah, like yeah. they really fill out the soundscape and by the end of the song they seem to take a like a huge amount of the auditory range. So right. it's there's a lot of production going on here mm-hmm. um that we can see because we're focusing on it. Yeah. But if you weren't yeah. Uh, if you weren't focusing on like, okay, so like, what is the producer doing? You wouldn't notice that there was a producer involved. In right. <laughs> so like, I think, um, and I'll get to it at the end, but I think like, as far as the production goes, uh, mm-hmm. with Halcyon Digest, you knew there was producer influence. Yeah. yeah. Because it didn't sound a lot like, uh, any other, uh, Deer Hunter stuff. Right. But this one, it just sounds like Deer Hunter doing some weird extra things. Mm-hmm. But I know that these are producer decisions right <laughs> having so, known this producer now yeah, yeah yeah so um yeah i like this song a lot mm-hmm. um lyrically to me <laughs> this song is such an outlier uh with the rest of this album uh, it has a lot of themes around dreaming and falling asleep yeah so 
Duplex Planet, the title comes from, there is a zine ah. uh, that is called Duplex Planet, and it's a collection of stories from people who work in retirement homes. Oh, cool. So I think the idea of like a duplex planet is all these different living spaces all together, and then the planet is like the accumulation of all these places. Mm-hmm. Um and I would say the reason it feels so comfortable yeah. is the idea of if you're living in a retirement home, it's supposed to be easy living. Everything's supposed to be taken care of uh, for you. Yeah. Um, your, you know, day to day is mostly taken care of kind of thing. Hmm. So I think it feels like a comfortable space to inhabit to it, try to create that. It feels like a dreamscape. Honestly, yeah. like if uh, the music is very ethereal and it gives mm-hmm. to this idea that the lyrics aren't necessarily talking about like a real thing, yeah. but like something in abstract. So maybe like this ideal image of like this sort of just like paradise living space. I or think so. Like yeah. So, um, yeah, like there's like this weird perspective going on where like nothing really matches up. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, uh, things sound a lot like clearer than they should. It's, it's this weird, like dreamscape idea. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever gotten into a fight in your dreams where you're trying to like punch something <laughs> okay, and yeah. it never, like you can never like really, uh, make contact with it, make contact or yeah. like punch as hard as you want to, because yeah. you're actually sleeping on your arm <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, right. so like this idea that like, uh, you can't really interact with it. It's sort of just like washing over you sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. I like I like the the mood that's going on with this. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like despite um how some of the lyrics sound where they talk about like I'm out of memory and then you won't remember me like stuff like that. They talk about aging and the decline of memory. They've talked about memory a lot before. Mm-hmm. Um it is very positive in tone. It's it's kind of like uh um, Okay. Like so a, maybe it's like a perspective of like the patients. I think so. Either the perspective of the patients, I think definitely the last bit where he says, I'm out of memory. Mm-hmm. That part I think is supposed to be from the patient's point of view. I think everything else before that is the point of view of other people witnessing these things. Okay. It cool. says like dreaming on the way to work, like someone coming in and stuff. But I feel like it's almost at a sense where like Bradford used to spend a lot of time. Like if you can comp- contrast this idea of a person, uh, you know, fading towards the end of their life with how he made cryptograms sound at the end yeah. of cryptograms, it's terrifying the way it's described this here. It's just like, everything's a dream. Everything's fine. And you're just kind of moving on. Yeah. And it's, it's a much more positive way of looking at things. And it's a lot more, uh, relax. And again, it just feels like everything that uh, Bradford's approaching on this, it's just with a level of comfort. Yeah. Uh, and to me, this song sounds comfortable. It does. Yeah. Uh, I think we could take care. <laughs> and <laughs> speaking of people being taken care of, Ooh, I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> Trent and Dave listen to the song for the second time. Take care, crickets. Yeah. <laughs> for the second time, you tried to nail the abrupt <laughs> ending. Couldn't do uh, it. Couldn't do it. It's couldn't do it. Um, what do you think about Take Care? It's another like it's another fairly simple song with like really interesting production choices. Mm-hmm. I I like it. It's a three four. It's yeah. it's uh, another one of those like uh, they do that uh, they do this like mode a couple of times where it's like this fifties yeah like pop ballad sort of thing yeah um, I got a thing on that but this time yeah. it's uh, the at least for the beginning of the song. It's done on the sample cards and it's yeah. done on the sample pads and that kind of stuff. So um, the A section is an eight bar phrase and mm-hmm. it's it's pretty long. It's uh, it's uh, a little bit more elaborate. So it's uh, G flat major mm-hmm. goes to the six for the E flat minor and then the seven for the F minor and then the five for the D flat minor. And then it's just a B major 
uh, D flat major, B, uh, B major, D flat major, and then it resolves back. Mm. So, um, and then the B section is just an A flat to G flat twice. Right. And then a D flat to B flat twice. Yeah. So, like, there's some so- tones in this section that give, like, chords some interesting qualities, but for the most part, it's just fairly standard. Mm. The sample pads, like, yeah. we're back on this, like, sort of electronic feel. Yes. And the first A section is entirely electronic, but it tries to mimic that sort of 50s prom battle. Yes. So it's trying to, like, mimic this weird style that it can't really grasp. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's a really interesting, like, vibe that it gives me, uh, especially in the bass notes, because the bass notes yeah. are dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. It feels like it's a tremolo, actually, mm-hmm. just being a note that's being held. I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, sample claps. Oh, sa- sample snaps. I, it's back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the high lead synth building an intensity. So like mm. through the A section, there's a lot of intensity that builds. Yeah. And then um, the lyrics get to say like wave bye bye. Yeah, yeah. As you're sort of like both like in the lyrics and also as a subtle nod to wave bye bye to the electronics. Exactly. Samples. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as uh, we get into a sweet transition into the B section mm-hmm. as all of the instruments come in now. Yeah. And like it's now the real instruments are just trying to like mimic the vibe of the electronic yeah, instruments. Yeah, yeah. So you get this really interesting like sound. There's really cool beat by uh, Moses. Yes. Where yeah. he's, th- he's taking a lot of like interesting hits on the cymbal, interesting hits on the toms. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. The next time they uh, transition into the A section, they go back into the electronic music. Yeah. But some of the real instruments stay. Yes. So there's, there's this like merger of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and like cool accents from the guitars, cool yes. accents from vocals and synth. There's a vamp break on one note for a bit, mm-hmm. and then it builds into this really, uh, really dynamic solo section. Yeah, um, you get uh, a little improv from the drums, a little improv yeah. from Locket. Yeah, like riffs from Locket that turn into a melody solo. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. It's an it's one of the, it's like the extended B section. And then, like, it builds for a couple times over, and then it goes into this, like, extended A section. It keeps building over and over and over and over again. Like, there's mm. more elements that get added onto it, and then, bam, cricket, yeah, exactly. cricket sample song ends. Exactly. <laughs> um, this one's really cool. Um, so about the 50s uh, prom thing we keep talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bradford acknowledges this. So mm. there is an interview where someone's like, so take care. It's kind of like something you've done before. He's like, yeah, I recognize that. He's like, he says, like, a lot of bands never want to do the same thing twice. I'm not like that. I want to always improve. If I think I can do it better than I've done it before, I'm going to do it again. Okay. And so he was like, I wanted to give it another shot, okay. he said. Uh, but what's interesting about it is he made a version that was pretty much standard instrumentation and uh, you know guitar bass drums kind of regular rock band yeah. type instrumentation ben allen went in and helped him add all this keyboard stuff nice and uh, with the idea of it being like oh it's just going to be like background kind of instrumentation it's going to help build it out mm-hmm. and then he br- presented bradford this mix that you hear which is way more keyboard <laughs> heavy and then only the other parts only come in as accents or whatever yeah. and bradford said initially he was like Mm, I don't like this. I'm not a fan. But instead of being Bradford from Halcyon Digest and getting all upset, he said, I sat with it for two days and I, I said to myself, 
I'm never going back. I love this. I really like what this is. And he said, he credits Ben Allen saying it took it to a place that he didn't think it would ever get to. And he's like, he says that the song now goes places that he didn't even have it in mind when so he made it. So Ben Allen is playing the synths, right? No, he's not. Oh. So I don't know who, I don't know exactly who did most of the synths. I know at the end, they got another guest musician to mm. do a lot of the uh, like tape sounds and stuff as they're doing the like extended form at the end. Yeah. Um, and that's James Cargill from the band Broadcast. Uh, right. just, and he's credited as doing tapes and electronics. <laughs> so I know it's just the noise bits at the end. Who's yeah. doing the keyboard parts otherwise? I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. It could be a bit of everybody. I yeah. Think. They're really nice. Mm-hmm. And like they add a lot to it. Um, yeah. There's, yeah, there's just a lot of cool instrumentation, like a cool little percussion effects. Mm-hmm. There's times that they choose to like switch back and forth between electronic and analog. And yeah. it keeps the song really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, there's a lot of like interesting stuff in here as well. Uh, the lyrics say like, lift your guard and you might find a place where you found hope. Yeah. Raise your crippled hand to the sky and wave bye-bye. Mm-hmm. So, uh, more in that sort of like hospital vein. I think so. I'm, I'm getting the idea. Like this is another like really positive, uh, vibe, but it also seems like you're being released. Right. Sort of sort of as if like you've you've spent your time and you've recovered and now you're finally getting right. out. So it's like sort of like a take care, have a good life. I think that's that's it for me. Uh, that my interpretation was it's like Brad for saying to everyone, like, hey man, I've recognized there's things in life that you just have no control over and mm-hmm. you just kinda have to roll with the punches. So everybody out there, good luck. Good take care. Uh and also at the very end does the uh, thing I'm gonna mess it up, but it's like uh, don't just, what is it you're after? Don't just stand there, mm-hmm. uh, with the idea of like, Hey man, who knows, who knows what's happening tomorrow. So if there's something you really want go out there and make it happen. Um, so I think it's kind of nice. And I think it's like almost like a ballad to everyone. Like, I feel like he's trying to do a thing on a couple songs, this album where he's just trying to like be an elder statesman yeah. and try to pass on like life lessons to people. And there I was, like- yeah, there is like this, this vibe where it's just like, uh, a, a sort of understanding of like what, Deer Hunter has been mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. And this understanding that it's just like, okay, uh, I understand that th- this uh, band has a very aggressive mood. It's yes. very like upfront. It's very like adversarial. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of songs where like we do our own thing and that doesn't really vibe with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're acknowledging that and we're giving you something that we think you'll like. Yeah, that makes sense. I kind of like that. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of songs that, um, definitely like fit that vibe and at least in this like first five stretch of five songs Mm. it's been mostly the same yeah it's all the same you might say sorry (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry yeah it's been mostly the same vibe because Mm. like it's it's sort of like this really positive uh outlook and uh, and it gives that lens to like the fading frontier yeah um which Mm-hmm. Contrasts Oh yeah With a couple of things that happen in the rest of the album Right So speaking of taking care Ooh. It's the reverse It's the anti-transition <laughs> The anti-transition <laughs> But I think you should take care Dear listener mm-hmm. As uh, we're going to wrap up This first part of Fading Frontier yeah. And we'll be back with Leather and Wood mm-hmm. In our part two But But until then, have a wonderful day. Bye.